so COVID has become political. And so what's going to happen is if, if Donald Trump is declared the winner on November 3rd, whenever that is, five in the morning, six in the morning, whatever that is, if, if he's declared the winner, uh, there is a plan afoot by the, led by the Democratic Party to announce that they're not going to accept the result and then they're going to blame uh, the Trump administration for holding up the postal vote. Uh, this will trigger a number of things, so pay attention. One of the things that it would trigger, obviously the media led by, in the U.S., led by CNN, MSNBC, of course, NBC, ABC, CBS, all the mainstream outlets, Bloomberg, um, they're, they're all going to be basically on board with the DNC, with the Democratic Party, to declare the, uh, the, the, the election day victory by Trump would be declared as uh, not legitimate or not final. It'll probably start off as not final, and then by the following evening, which is November 4th, would be, it would, it, by that time, it, it will happen this quickly. By that time, it will be declared illegitimate. And then what you have is Democratic governors and Democratic states will be demanding recounts. Uh, and so this could potentially delay uh, any kind of mainstream acceptance of an election result for days, weeks, possibly, possibly months, okay? And what they'll say is that, uh, that, that they can't, you can't declare the winner until the postal votes are all counted. And it's quite, quite possible that uh, most of the postal votes would have already been counted by then. But the point is, if you have the media, if you have the Democratic Party and Nancy Pelosi going, doing press conferences with Chuck Schumer saying that the results are illegitimate and you have state governors uh, calling out irregularities, and also there'll be a full court press, basically. And then you add to this the street mobs. Now, look at what happened after the death of George Floyd. The country was basically held to ransom by marauding, violent rioters, looters, basically uh, agitprop street mobs in cities like Portland, Chicago, Washington, D.C., New York, Atlanta, etc. So multiply that. What you saw with, with uh, Black Lives Matter and so forth, Antifa, multiply that times four. And, and what kind of atmosphere, you know, how is the media going to be covering that? It's going to be crisis wall-to-wall -wall crisis, it's going to be fire, uh, police Police will be trying to put down the, uh, the insurrection, the unrest, S you know, somebody will become a martyr, and then that will accelerate again the street protests, you'll have die-ins, and who knows where it's going to end, okay? So, absolute chaos. So, that's, then you have calls for, if, if you can sustain the destabilization in cities, Democrat-run cities and states, if you can sustain the destabilization for a period of, I don't know, seven days, if you can get it past, let's say, 10 days, uh, then there will, will eventually be calls for that the president steps down. The president steps down. For the good of the country, the president must step down. And this is a very dangerous 
possibility because we nearly saw we saw this in after the George Floyd incident, but we didn't see the president step down part because it wasn't coinciding with an exactly with an election. And if you look at the the color revolutions that the CIA, the U.S. State Department, George Soros, Open Society, uh, and various other NGOs. Uh, Google as well has been involved uh, in some of these. I'm talking mainly about the Arab Spring with regards to Google, but uh, all these various uh, color revolutions and regime change operations run led by the U.S. That's pretty much the same playbook that they deploy overseas, and uh, and so it's uh, you know Yanukovych must go, Assad must go, and and so forth. You know Ben Ali must go, etc. Uh, Hosni Mubarak, Mubarak must go, you know, in this kind of, there becomes a global consensus. Now, if this becomes a global call, um, then you have the kind of international call. So you, so you can see what I'm, what I'm laying out to you are the different stages that lead to the color revolution and that lead to regime change. And people will say, well, that's not possible in the U.S., can't possibly happen. Uh, I'm going to tell you that Maybe not, but I believe it. all the signs indicate today that, that the Democratic Party are uh, coordinating with the mainstream media and have plans afoot to, and with the street mobs then have plans afoot to give this a go. So this is no exaggeration, uh, and I'm not... I'm not making this up. And uh, to further prove my point, uh, go to 21stCenturyWire.com or you can look at the, the link right on the show page. Uh, and there's a piece, there's an article by Mike Whitney. And you can see a Democratic-led uh, plan for post-election chaos. You can see the headline uh, right there at the top of our feature section. And click on that, and you have a read. You can do that after the show. You can do it now if you want. Um, this is in their own words. And they're talking about literally um, how they can take advantage of this time, this point, uh, between this, this quote. And I'm, I'm quoting here. And one of the persons quoted in this, uh, this transition integrity uh, project, they're calling it. Where they they gamed out a disruption in the election with a delay in the results, and then how they could take advantage of that. Uh, a delay provides a window for campaigns, the media, and others to cast doubt on the integrity of the process, and for escalating tensions between competing camps. This is straight out of U.S. regime change playbooks, and I'm I'm sad to say one of the ringleaders here, it seems anyway is somebody who was kind of regarded as a, a kind of a hero. He's involved with the Transition Integrity Project, TIP it's called, is none other than uh, Colin Powell's former chief of staff, Colonel Lawrence Wilkerson. That's right. He's, he's currently teaching at uh, William & Mary College in Virginia. He's a former uh, chief of staff for Secretary of State Colin Powell, uh, who led the charge uh, in the UN to declare uh, Iraq, uh, Saddam Hussein is harboring weapons of mass destruction, Winnebago's of death. I mean, one of the most, you know, shameful moments in United States history. Um, 
and Wilkerson in many interviews has said he's he's ashamed of his role in the fraud um, in Colin Powell's fraud um, to help to push and sell the Iraq war. But it seems like Colonel Wilkinson has kind of put himself at the center of this. He's one of their leading spokesperson, uh, retired colonel in the U.S. military. And uh, here's another quite a disturbing quote here. Let me, let me just say some of the things that we're putting out there. Among, among those things, uh, one that is very important is the media, particularly the mainstream media. Uh, they cannot act as they usually act with regards to elections. They have to play a coup on election night. I repeat, they have to play a coup on election night. A coup d'etat is what he's saying. The media do. They have to facilitate a coup. They can't be declaring some state like Pennsylvania for one candidate or another when Pennsylvania probably has thousands upon thousands of votes yet to come in and count. So the media has to get its act in order and it has to act very differently than it normally does. And the author of this piece, uh, Mike Whitney, it's, it's a very important piece, uh, and I encourage people to read it. He says, in other words, Wilkerson does not want the media to follow the normal protocols for covering an election, but to adjust their reporting to accommodate the aims of the coup plotters. Uh, does that sound like somebody who is committed uh, to an even-handed coverage of events or someone who wants reporters to shape the news to meet spec specifications of his own particular agenda? And here's more from Wilkerson. Secondly, he says, uh, we also have learned that poll workers have to be younger, says Wilkerson. And we've started a movement all across the country to train young people. And we've had really good luck. So volunteers uh, will be doing so, basically, to be poll workers. So we found out in Wisconsin, for example, that most poll workers were over 60. And many of them didn't show up because they were afraid of COVID-19. So I don't, it doesn't take a genius to work out how the, the, quote, pandemic is being used here to affect the election. So there's a number of different pieces in play here. I'm going to play you a clip. This is from a Trump, recent Trump rally. I think it was in Pittsburgh. This is just literally today or yesterday. And listen to what Donald Trump's saying. I mean, talk about lighting a match and throwing gasoline on the fire. Listen to what Trump is saying here. This is unbelievable. And then I'll cut in for a comment. I mean, we are getting crowds, and this is pandemic, and we're rounding the turn. We're rounding the corner of the pandemic, okay? But we're having them outside, and we shouldn't say this is some kind of a rally. From now on, it's called a protest. We are protesting. You know, we're gonna call, we're gonna call all our rallies that because, you know, if you have, you see a lot of these, uh, let's call them blue states. We wanna be nice. We're gonna call it a, Protest against stupidity. So we are going to have protest against stupidity. Because, you know, uh, a lot of the people, like in Michigan and other places, we love Michigan, but the governor's got them shut down. I hate to say it, your governor's got you shut down. It doesn't look it here, but... 
Uh, your governor has got you shut down. I don't know. You, you're not breaking a law by being here. Otherwise, if you are, if you are, we'll have to do something about that. Because now this is a hell of a shutdown. I think your governor has to let this state open up. And Pennsylvania, look what they're doing in Pennsylvania, a great state where that's actually something very special is going to happen here in Pennsylvania. That's a commonwealth. We always have to remember Pennsylvania Commonwealth. Got two of them, and you better remember you get in trouble. But we love Pennsylvania, and it's uh, shut down. The governor's got it just shut down nice and tight. And you know what? On November 4th, it's going to be opened up. It's going to be opened up. Whoa, okay. okay, ladies and gentlemen, what you just heard there. So Donald Trump has just laid the challenge down. So he's he's literally making COVID and shutdowns and lockdowns. He's beginning to make it an election issue. So this is going to polarize the media. It's going to it's forcing the Democrats uh, to be pitting it, pitting them against the people against businesses that that are tired and want to open up and it's going to become it's it's already a wedge partisan issue masks are already a wedge partisan issue in the US now lockdowns are going to become more so of a partisan wedge issue the closer we uh, get towards November 3rd towards the US presidential election and so the media will go into overdrive with case reports, uh, spikes, surges, saying we can't open up, we can't open up, we need to lock down, we need to lock down. So it'll become those who want uh, to improve the economy, those who want to get back to normal, and those who want to keep this the pain and suffering uh, going for political reasons mainly. Okay, and some that are just have become so brainwashed and paranoid that they're they're scared of, they, they think that COVID is the black death, basically. There's still quite a few people that believe that or feel that way, um, even though that's not even remotely the case. So, uh, but Donald Trump is basically, the gloves are off and he's hitting Biden pretty hard uh, in some of the, the speeches that I've heard so far. So he, he's been told by his team, you go ahead, weapons free, you can hit Biden hard. And when the debate comes, I mean, that that's going to be probably one of the most watched. If Biden goes through with it, I still say, as a, as we said on the show before, um, they'll come up. It's quite possible they're going to come up with an excuse where, uh, which can allow Biden to opt out of the debate. It'll be something. It'll be a a COVID outbreak or a member of staff has COVID. There'll be something. I just can't see him going toe to toe with Donald Trump for like you know over an hour, two hours, or whatever the debate is. Um, we know that Joe can't manage more than a certain you know set period of, of of time and also to be off script for a long time is dangerous uh for for biden so that the the transition integrity uh project that's a shadowy group uh, government military media elites democratic party operatives a lot of top hillary clinton advisors as well and uh, they've best been you know wargaming uh, a plan to basically sp spread uh as Mike Whitney calls it, mayhem and disinformation following the November 3rd uh, presidential elections. Now, he, here's Steve Bannon uh, was did a very rare interview with Tucker Carlson two days ago. And I'm listening very closely to that because Bannon's not giving any interviews because of his court case. 
Um, so he's been pretty quiet throughout. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not a, I am not a big fan of Steve Bannon for so many different reasons. Um, I don't rate him, um, and I think he, he also, I don't think he was completely uh, above board at the uh, his testimony at the Roger Stone trial. That's my personal uh, opinion. However, um, I do think that he is worth listening to if he's saying what, what I'm about to play for you now. If he's saying that on national TV, I think it's worth taking note uh, because for whatever Bannon's reasons you'd like or don't like him, and certainly I don't for a number of reasons, uh, he he will he I don't think he has a reason to to lie about what he's about to say here and I was quite surprised to hear this on national TV but uh, this is Tucker Carlson interviewing Steve Bannon and uh, we'll, we'll listen to a few seconds of this and then we'll we'll get some comment but go ahead and roll this big tech is clearly taking a side in this election they have unprecedented levels of power over what people know um, and I'm wondering how you think they will use that power as we approach the election specifically. You, you, you saw the other night you had Dr. Yan on from from uh, from China as a fact witness on the on the weapons labs over there and also wrote this amazing paper. What 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 Twitter did is ripped her Twitter account down right away. They took her off Facebook when they had to replay your show that was on fire throughout the world. And but they allowed the Chinese Communist Party to beat down on her every second with all of their running dogs. That's what you're going to see. That's a preamble to what's going to happen on November 3rd. They're talking about it. They're already saying, both Facebook and Twitter, that they're not going to announce a winner. Here's what's going to happen. Donald J. Trump is going to win the vote on the only day that matters. That's November 3rd. He's going to win the real election in the way we've done it with secret ballots, with people going into a, a booth and voting for president of the United States. Okay. By that evening, he will be the winner. And what they're going to do is that between the lawfare they've got with 800 attorneys under Eric Holder, the mob they've got with Antifa and the radical elements of Black Lives Matter, but most importantly, the digital muscle of Facebook and Twitter, they're going to sit there and they're going to not declare Trump the winner. You were right there running the campaign four years ago today. Looking at the poll numbers now as objectively as you can, as compared to the numbers you were looking at four years ago today, how do you think the president's reelect looks? I think the president, I think the team's done a great job. When I look at these numbers in the, in the cross tabs and I drill down on them, I think the president's got a, not just a great shot. I think he will be the winner on November 3rd. I think the, the, I think the campaign's totally focused. I think Biden is a cipher. He can't draw a crowd. So I think, I think right now that I think the campaign's doing great. The president's doing great. I see a victory on November 3rd. And I was the guy, first guy to tell me he was going to win back in August of 16. So that, that that was Bannon right there. So, you know, I don't think he said that for nothing. And you might not hear much from him as well. Um, but he, he'll probably be stumping for Trump, I would imagine, uh, through October. And so this this brings us to what I just told you earlier before we, we played these two clips. I was talking about how this was going to play out. And if it, also a potential play, I believe, will be a repeat of the 2000 presidential election. And what happened in 2000 was there was voter irregularities in the state of Florida, whereby the Democratic uh, candidate Al Gore uh, claimed uh, that he had more votes in Florida. It was the key deciding swing state than, at the time, George W. Bush. And what happened was, and, and, and probably to this day, most people, honest people would say that probably Al Gore 
Juan, Florida. Uh, but there was a series of counts and recounts and, and started recounts that were halted uh, because of uh, uh, court injunctions. So it went to the state uh, Supreme Court in Florida. And then eventually the 2000 presidential election was decided really by the Supreme Court. Uh, so the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and the reason why CNN uh, staffers like uh, Reza Aslan are threatening, calling for street violence, calling for burning cities, uh, if 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 Donald Trump replaces Ruth Bader Ginsburg before the election with with a conservative Supreme Court justice, this is I, I believe my personal opinion is that outburst by Reza Aslan at CNN, this outburst is because he knows that part of the play would be that, that one of the last backstops for this coup that CNN will be intricately involved in, by the way, CNN, MSNBC, these are two Democratic Party um, networks. Obviously, CNN is, is it, it internationally is a Pentagon CIA media outlet directed mainly by those two institutions, but domestically, they're absolutely directed by the Democratic Party. There's no doubt about it. But in terms of foreign policy, it's it's Pentagon and Central Intelligence Agency and NSA. That, that kind of runs CNN's editorial lines. But domestically, it's the Democratic Party. So these are uber-partisan networks, okay? And so Reza Aslan, he was having an outburst because I think he saw he knows that the Supreme Court would be the backstop, a replay of the 2000 election. And if it's a replay of the 2000 election, the Democrats would want that that final decision to go in favor of their candidate, which would be Joe Biden, rather than how it went in 2000, where it went in favor of the Republican uh, candidate, which was George W. Bush, one of the most controversial presidential elections of all time in history. And um, arguably, as much as one hates Al Gore or doesn't likes or hates Bush, whatever, either, either way, uh, it looks like uh, quite possibly Al Gore, in my opinion, probably got the short end of the stick in 2000. And sort of that gave us Bush and all the things that came after that, which of course was absolutely wonderful, but Al Gore probably, he could have presided over the exact same things as Bush, we don't know. He certainly made up for it with his uh, climate change um, mythology, but that's another story. Um, so, so, uh, so that's what I think is, is at play, okay? So let's listen to this clip. And so the first, the first trigger, probably in terms of the uh, calls for illegitimacy um, will be the probably the postal vote. They'll they'll pull the postal vote card. Listen to so Nancy Pelosi already put this seed into the ground back in August. So we dug up this clip where she pretty much gave the game plan plan away. So we looked back in the archives this week and we we pulled out what we thought was Pelosi giving the game plan away back in August. So uh, kudos to our researchers uh, for pulling finding this specific clip of Pelosi. But listen very closely to what she's saying and how she is using COVID as the kind of mechanism to make this work. Listen to this. They've not really ever liked the Postal Service because they always want to find a way to make money off of something and they want to privatize. But now, at a time of a pandemic, you would think they'd have a little sensitivity. 
but so obsessed are they to undermine absentee voting uh, that this is their connection there. So the president says he's not putting up any money for absentee voting, and he's not putting up any money for the Postal Service, undermining the health of our democracy. That's all, folks. So there she is, Nancy, and uh, oh, pardon the Bugs Bunny, Looney Tunes pun, but it's just so fitting. She does sound a lot like some of those characters these days. But you see how she was basically using this idea of the pandemic and the Postal Service. She called it absentee ballots, which was an intentional lie on her part. There are absentee ballots. We have a normal system of absentee ballots. We, we discussed this. We explained this on the show in previous weeks. But it's always for a minority of people, either military serving overseas, people serving overseas, uh, people who can't make it to the poll for various reasons because of their job or disposition or they're out of state or whatever. Okay, that's what absentee ballots are for. But it generally constitutes a very small number of votes uh, in terms of the grand scheme of things. But there, she's talking about the universal postal voting that she has been trying to engineer. So trying to scare people, scare her constituents, uh, scare scare the public, saying that it's not safe to go out and vote on the day the way that democracy is conducted traditionally. But to, ch to move the goalposts for this election, this is the important part, to move the goalposts for this election using COVID as the mechanism to scare people, so to make them think it's not safe to be going out to polls and voting and to, to get them to vote by post, okay? Now, I, I don't have to tell you, and already the uh, analysis has come in, uh, which we, we reported on, on the UK column plus on this show as well, uh, that it, it looks like up to uh, just under 20% of the postal votes are going to be unusable. So out of 41 million postal votes, you can throw out 7 million of them. That could very well be the margin of victory uh, either way for, for a Biden or a Trump victory. Okay, And why is that? Because there's a huge amount of logistical problems with sending out votes, wrong names, wrong address, person's dead. Uh, there's a whole long list of reasons why you'd, you have to throw the vote out. Wasn't sent back, wasn't sent back in time. You know, so all of these options are going to be basically used uh, as excuses or, um, or they're just going to create that atmosphere uh, or delay or somehow gum up the works on this. Okay, and the longer the uncertainty, the air of uncertainty exists over this section of the election, this postal vote section, then in, in then we go back to what Colonel Wilkerson uh, and his election integrity uh, project, quote unquote, um, using to take advantage of that uncertainty to hold protests to bring the election result into question in terms of the court of public opinion and using the media to do that, using Mark Zuckerberg, using Facebook to do that, uh, Jack Dorsey using Twitter uh, to do that. Those are Democrat-leaning uh, uh, heads of social media firms that have a tremendous amount of power in conjunction with mainstream media outlets and the DNC. And then to, to broadcast that internationally, and this, this is how you get the, the, the street mobs activated on the street. 
And like I said, George Floyd was just a warm-up act. Trust me. You want to see a sustained uh, street riots and instability, burning, arson, and, and all sorts of things. Just have it coincide with a major controversial watershed presidential election and watch what's going to happen. You could see the instability go all the way till December, till Christmas, maybe even beyond that. And the whole idea is to do what we did to the Ukraine, what the U.S. government, the intelligence community, uh, and the State Department, what they did to countries like the Ukraine to create uh, a, a talking point that becomes almost a matter of fact that uh, Yanukovych must go, Trump must go, Assad, must, whoever must go. The technology the U.S., the West has deployed internationally is now being used on itself at home. In this case, uh, it looks like they're planning this to unseat uh, the re-election of Donald Trump. So it's a perfect storm. Look at Biden. Just take a look at him. He's masked. Uh, he's, he's old. He's frail. You know, he's unable to co communicate coherently. I mean, in terms of a presidential candidate, it's probably the worst thing that anybody has ever seen. It's, it's almost like a running joke. So he's hopeless. I mean, he makes Walter Mondale look like uh, LeBron James in terms of energy output uh, in comparison. So you, you add the fake postal vote crisis here, introduced already by Nancy Pelosi and the mainstream media pushing this as well. And the scene is set, ladies and gentlemen, for street mobs, uh, media campaigns. You have the ventriloquists at CNN, Anderson Cooper, Wolf Blitzer. They're all going to be on point uh, batting for the Democrats on this. Uh, basically, the, they're, these networks, these people I'm talking about, Jake Tapper, uh, Wolf Blitzer, Joe Scarborough, okay, Anderson Cooper, they, they are trained to run regime change media operations They've just been doing it to other countries for, for so many years. I mean, they are pros at this. They can switch this on on the United States and watch. I'm telling you, they will. The only chance this has of being derailed is exposure. If it's exposed enough, that the game plan's exposed enough, uh, then it's going to become very difficult uh, for them to pull it off in any credible fashion. That doesn't mean they won't still try, but it does mean that uh, they'll have a more difficult time selling their thesis um, to the public in general. So that's, that's uh, I'm, I'm, I'd hate to say, I would hate to be right. I would really hate to be right on this. It's one thing I would really hate to be right about. I really hope this doesn't, this doesn't come to pass. So look out, look out, ladies and gentlemen, the Election Integrity Project. Go to 21st Century Wire, uh, share that article with uh, as many people you, as you can. And uh, yeah, just be aware of, of what's at stake here. So the, you know, the, the, the networks, uh, the politicians have done a great job in burning the idea of, of COVID, of the pandemic, into, into the motherboards of the minds of 
so many uh, Americans, and you could say the same in other countries, the UK, France, for instance. Um, a lot of people have have really bought into this this plague narrative, and this could have disastrous consequences uh, in terms of running a general election, and the chaos that will ensue will allow for a chain of events to occur that uh, may 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 spin out of control because you you can't predict what's going to happen. So everything that I've said now in the last. 45 minutes, um, there's a lot of different moving parts, a lot of possibilities, things that could happen. <laughs> Imagine if a, a, a black man is accidentally shot or hit by a car or some, amongst all this chaos, and then it becomes a kind of a religious jihad for the Democrats, for BLM. for So this is the danger of you know, where we're heading into. And I think that there are a lot of people on the left side of the uh, political paradigm in America that don't care what unfolds as long as they get the result that they want. So this is tribalism on steroids right now. It's like, if our candidate doesn't win, we're going to burn it down. As CNN's Reza Aslan said, we're going to burn the, the whole effing thing down. That's a leading CNN personality and anchor on social media. Burn it, burn the whole effing thing down. Is he talking about the country? Is he talking about Washington, D.C.? Is he talking about the White House? They they already tried to burn down things in Washington, D.C. recently uh, with Black Lives Matter. I'm not making any of this up. This is factual, okay? So we, we can dispense with all the uh, petty excuses now. Let's, it, we're going to have to be talking real now because you have... You have a coup in the making, really, and this potentially could lead to a type of civil war. Not a full-blown civil war in America, but more of a sectarian type civil war, uh, political, um, that could flare up in a few different places, not nationwide, but uh, a few cities. It could it could really go. Our Portland's a given. Seattle, quite possibly. Chicago, New York, uh, probably yes. Washington D.C., most definitely. That's the capital of the United States. Very dangerous, because then you have a continuity continuity of government issue. If Trump wins on election, I I already know this is going to happen. And people say, how do you know this is going to happen? I'll tell you why. Because I pay attention to history. And this is exactly what happened after the 2016 election. The mobs came out, and I can't believe how short of memory people have. They rioted, they burned, they looted, people were getting beat up in, in, in the street, in airports, fights were breaking out because of Donald Trump beating Hillary Clinton. They couldn't stand the result. And then they, these people are so dangerous, and I'll tell you why. And, and it's, it's, I'm not batting for Trump, okay? I've, I've come out quite strongly against Trump on a number of major issues, and I've done it publicly, okay? I've done it publicly, and I have to stand by those statements. I've done those to a global audience. I have to stand by everything that I've said on the criticisms against the president, and I, and I will, and I can. But, but So I'm not making a partisan statement when I'm telling you the Democratic Party are such pernicious operators that they 
invented along with the never Trumpers and the Mitt Romneys, the McCains of the world, the neoconservatives, the neoliberals, the neoconservatives, the Democrats, and everybody else who was sore after the 2016 election, they advanced, they, they invented, they advanced, and they promulgated a fictional conspiracy theory that the Russians and Vladimir Putin elected Donald Trump somehow in 2016. It was a total, a, a total fairy tale that dominated the U.S. justice system. It, it clogged up our, our, our justice system, our courts, our political system for four straight years, all based on a lie. They did this. So if, if they're willing to do that and push their country closer to war footing with another nuclear power in the process, if these people, these same people are, are willing to do that, willing to put the whole country at risk and at, at major expense to undo decades of detente, if they're willing to do that for four straight years, they're willing to sacrifice them, themselves, their party, uh, to create a fictional scenario that would damage the country deeply because they lost an election, because they couldn't take the White House. They're the, the, they are that sore of losers. They're that delusional. They're that overcome with self-aggrandizement that they're willing to do that. Then I'm telling you that if they're willing to do that, they are willing to do anything, including what I've just described over the last three quarters of an hour. Make no mistake about it. You are dealing with the real deal here, okay? It, this is no different. In my, in my eyes, what I'm seeing unfolding is no different, at least in terms of structure, of what I've seen in so many other foreign countries that the United States has enacted successful and reoccurring color revolutions and regime changes. It's a, it's a multi-pronged process that involves politics, it involves media, it involves Silicon Valley and social media controlling the platforms. It involves all of these things and electioneering on the day and creating uh, false scandals and creating situations that sow doubt in the election process. All of these things that are used for color revolutions, street mobs, at street agitation, all of these things, these are elements of color revolutions and regime change operations overseas. And we're seeing every single one of them lined up right now. Every single one of them in the United States of America right now. So I am saying don't think it's not possible because it's very possible. It's a very possible thing indeed. We're going to take a short break uh, and we're going to connect our roving correspondent for culture and sport, Basil Valentine. On the other side, I'm your host, Patrick Henningsen. This is the Sunday Wire. <laughs> 